Do you want to know the best way of living? The noblest way of suffering? And the most comfortable way of dying? And what if I told you it was easy? You'd probably think you were listening to an infomercial. But you'd be wrong. It's a sermon. And I know it's a sermon because I have three points this morning. The best way of living, suffering, and dying is living in God's Word. The Christian life is the life of the Word of God. It's the Word life. The Christian life is the Word life. That happens to be the title of my sermon this morning, The Word Life. And a story of this life begins in Samuel. First Samuel chapter 23, verse 1, we read that David beheld, or that was told to David, so David gains this knowledge, behold, the Philistines are fighting. Now, interestingly enough, the chapter ends with the Philistines fighting. So the chapter begins and ends with Philistines fighting. When the Bible does this, it's saying something important. It's saying something we should see. Like when the Bible begins with the tree of life, it ends with the tree of life. There's something to see there. The first Adam lost the tree of life. The second Adam has recaptured, regained the tree of life. What does it mean? It means the whole Bible is about life in Christ. Life in, with, through, by Christ. And we now have access to God. As Adam in the garden, we have access. In Christ, we are back in the garden. So we have access to God. David had this access in 1 Samuel 23. David had access, and it was a life in the Word. The Christian life is the Word life in three points. In three points. The Word life trusts in the Word. The Word life is encouraged with the Word, and the Word life is blessed by the Word. We need to trust the Word. We need to be encouraged by the Word, and we are blessed by the Word. Three points this morning. The Christian life trusts the Word. And so it was told, David, the Philistines are fighting against Keilah, and they were robbing the threshing floors. These Philistines were murderous thieves, and so David sought the Lord. Verse 2, therefore David inquired of the Lord. David inquired of the Lord. Now he inquires of the Lord twice. It says, verse 4, David inquired of the Lord again. Why? Because, David because the Lord didn't answer? No, the Lord answered both times. David inquired of the Lord, verse 2, shall I go and attack these Philistines? And the Lord said to David, go and attack and save Keilah. And that's the word of the Lord. It's a command, go attack with a promise, salvation. In a sense, it's law and grace, law and gospel, if you will. Go do this salvation. Law and gospel. That's God's word. Yet the men with David were not so sure. Verse 3, but David's men said to him, Behold, we're afraid here in Judah. 
How much more if we go to Keilah against the armies of the Philistines? So the Lord revealed, the Lord commanded, and the Lord revealed, he promised. Yet these men were afraid. What's going on in the text? It's the Christian life. (laughs) How often does the Lord command and we fail those commands? How often does the Lord promise, yet we remain in doubt? The Lord commands, the Lord promises, and we're sinners, are we not? Like these men, we live too much by sight. There's a lot to be afraid of in this text. The Philistines were a much greater army. They were a great threat. That's these men. They saw that the Philistines had every advantage. They had every advantage, but one. They didn't have the word like David and these men. You see, the antidote to fear is faith in God's word. Faith is the Christian life. It's how we become Christian. It's how we live as Christians. It's how we overcome those sins that so easily entangle us. Do you want victory over the sin that plagues you? The answer is here in our text. Verse 4, then David inquired of the Lord again. David sought the Lord. This is the Christian life. We seek the Lord. And the Lord responded, which is the Christian life. The Lord responded, and he answered again. Verse 4, the Lord answered him, arise, go to Keilah. A command. The Lord again commands him, law, arise and go. And then the promise, for I will give the Philistines into your hand. Notice it is the Lord who says, I will give. That's the promise. You're going to go, but I will give. You do, but I save. David sought the Lord. The Lord answered, it's the Christian life. God promised David trusted Christian life. God was in control, and that's all David needed to know. God doesn't explain how he's going to overcome the masses, overcome this advantage. But David trusts God's sovereignty because God's sovereignty and God's beneficence, God's power and God's goodness backs our faith. That's what stands behind our faith. God's sovereignty, God's goodness is the power of the Christian life. And in fact, God's sovereignty and God's beneficence is what backs the word of God. Many people want to attack the word of God today. Why? Because they want to attack God. Because the Bible is grounded in God himself. God is sovereign. He knows everything. God is good. He never lies. Therefore, since God never lies, nor is mistaken in his knowledge, and since scripture is inspired, the inspired word of God, it is the ultimate standard of truth. So when one denies this truth, one denies inerrancy, what they do is they make themselves the standard of truth. 
You see, the first principle always has to be God. If the first principle is God, you have a firm foundation. You have security. You have a sovereign, beneficent, good God. But if you deny this first principle, if you deny God, you become the ultimate standard of truth. Even if you deny God for science, it's still you believing the science. It's still you are the standard. And you are a fool. But God is sovereign. And God is good. And so our Christian life must begin and end in the word. We are worded through and through. The Christian life is a worded life. It's the word life. And so David and his men trusted the Lord and they went to Keilah and they fought with the Philistines and brought away the livestock and struck them with a great blow. You see, the Lord commanded, they went, and the Lord provided. And through this revelation, the text says, so David saved the inhabitants of Keilah. David saved the inhabitants of Keilah just like baptism saves today. Not the water, not the bread or the wine, but the body and the blood of Christ, the Spirit of God. God saved. You see, the text isn't interested in explaining how David saved. The text's not interested in David. Though it said David saved, it's not interested in David. It doesn't tell us how he overcame the enemy. He doesn't, it doesn't tell us how he overcame this advantage. It doesn't explain his military prowess and what advantages he used and his wisdom and his smarts to get around the enemy and attack them that day. No, the text is inter- interested in one thing, and that one thing is this. God spoke. David listened and salvation came. That's the Christian life, where faith comes by hearing. God speaks, and we trust that word, and there's salvation. God was Savior that day, and David was mediator. God saves as the Christian life. God used David And the text says nothing about David. So if you want to overcome sin, if you want godliness, you must know that God's working is his wording. God's working is his wording. He speaks, we listen. He speaks, we trust. And he works. So hear the word of God and know that God is working in you. Hear the word and know that God is working in you the best way of living. Verse 6. When Abathar, the son of Ahimelech, had fled to David and Keilah, he came down with an ephod in his hand. This is kind of some parathetical information. It's it's reminding us that Ahimelech had come and fled to David. Oh, and by the way, when he came, he came with the ephod in his hand. What's the ephod? Ephod, according to Torah, we believe was a priestly garment. The best evidence is it's some kind of priestly garment, and it had pockets that held the... uh, the, um, the Thuman, the Urim, the Urim, the Urim, the Urim, that's it. The Urim and the Thuman. What's the Urim and the Thuman? We don't really know, but what we do know is that Torah, according to Exodus 28, Exodus 28 tells us that this was Israel's, this was the means by which Israel received revelation from the Lord. When Israel wanted to know the Lord's will, when they wanted the word of God, they would go to the ephod. They would cast lots with the Urim and the Thummim. 
And through this revelatory device, Exodus says they would come before the Lord. Through God's approved revelation, Israel would come before the Lord. Hebrews reminds us that long ago, in many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, and God spoke to our fathers by the Urim and Thummim and the Ephod. And the point is, David had the Ephod. He had revelation. He had God's word. Saul also had revelation, verse 7. Now it was told Saul, Saul had spies. So it was told that Saul that David had come to Keilah. Saul, spies had revealed to Saul, and, 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 and Saul here judges that God has spoken. Verse 7, God has given him into my hand. This, unfortunately, is modern Christianity, whereby we judge by sight. Modern Christians are often tempted to judge by sight. Modern Christians today are often tempted to, to judge by advantage. Saul saw the advantage. He's shut in in a city with bars. He has no escape. Aha, God is working. You see, we're often tempted as Christians to judge by advantage only. If it's good, makes me happy, healthy, wealthy, blessed be the name of the Lord. God is working. Even if God's word says the contrary, <laughs> we'll do what makes happy, healthy, and, and good. Even if God's word dismisses it, even if God's word forbids it. So many are so taken in by the eye that they can't follow the word. But we don't live by sight. We live by every word of the Lord. And so we see the shadow of the Almighty even in the valley of the darkness. Yeah, we live in darkness, but part of that darkness is the shadow of the Almighty whose rod and staff comfort me. And so when God takes away the hallelujah chorus can be heard from the shadows. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You see, God's word works in us the most noblest way. It works in us the noblest way to suffer. We live in a sad world. But God is almighty, and God is working all things together for the good of his people. Verse 8, and Saul summoned all the people to war. He's trapped. Let's go. He sent them down to Keilah to besiege David and his men. So Saul presumptively believed that Yahweh was on his side. He attacked. But thankfully, uh, David had spies too. Verse 9, David knew that Saul was plotting against him. So David has the same spy, or not the same spies, but he has spies. You see, they both have access to each other's goings on in the text. As we study the text, we see that each side has access to the others going on. They both had spies. They both knew what was going on. Yet David had another word, a sure word. And so David said, verse 9, to Abathur the priest, bring the ephod here. So the spies said, he's coming, and David says, bring me God's revelation. You see, David had divine access to the Lord. Now, in the Hebrew, 
47%, I didn't do the math, but there's scholars who did the math, 47% of the Hebrew words in this text concern the ephod. The Hebrew uses a lot of language and a lot of words to express and explain what's going on with this ephod. Because the whole point of the text is revelation. It's all about the revelation of God and how effective that revelation is. It's all about God's word and the effectiveness, the power of the word. You see, God's word saves. We read verse 14, so David remained in the stronghold of the wilderness, and he remained there because that was the word of the Lord. Depart, because he asks, will, the, will Saul coming? And the Lord says, yes. Will the, will the key lights, I guess that's how you say it, will the key lights give me over to Saul? And the Lord says, yes. And so the Lord delivers. And then his word continues to deliver. It says, Saul sought him every day. Verse 14, God, uh, Saul sought him every day, but verse 14, but God did not give him into his hand. You see, the word of God saved David, and the word of God continued to save David. Now, we might be tempted here in this text to think, man, I need one of those ephods. <laughs> How do I get my hands on an ephod? Or we're, or, or we're tempted today to think, I, I need some kind of trinket. Where's my trinket? You see, we're tempted by texts like this to think we need precise, direct guidance on everyday matters. But that's not the Christian life. Precise, direct, divine guidance. That's the desire to live by sight, not faith. It's living by sight that turns us away from the word to our own inner voice or to trinkets around our neck. Living by sight, and it's all about me reading of the Bible, confuses the story of King David here with our own story. But I'm going to tell you something, and you might not like it. Maybe you will. I don't know. But guess what? You're not King David. <laughs> You're not King David. You're not saving a kingdom. You're not delivering the kingdom of God. And that's okay. You're not going to be remembered down the annals of history, and that's okay. Your ordinary life is fine. And so is God's ordinary means of grace. So what was necessary for David is not necessary for you. But the Christian life is here in this text. For how did David receive the word of the Lord? He received it through a priest, through a mediator, through an ephod, through mediation. And that is our privilege today. Hebrews 1.1 says, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, and we're in those last days, he has spoken to us by his son. We have his son. And I happen to believe it's a better word than knowing that Saul is going down to Keilah. We have one greater than Abathar. Hebrews 4.14 says, since we, have a, since we then have a great high priest, we draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And that's the life of faith. 
And if you want guidance, direct guidance on everyday matters, well, the Bible gives you that too. And it's called wisdom. And I happen to believe that's a better word than God told me so's. I've heard a lot of God told me so's that were very unwise, very foolish. The Christian life trusts the word. That's our first point. That was a long one, which means we got a long day here. So buckle in. No, that was a long one. Uh, my next two points are really short. The second point, though the Christian life trusts the word, the second point, the Christian life is encouraged with the word. Verse 15, David saw that Saul had come out to seek his life. David was in the wilderness of Horish. And then it reads, and then Jonathan, Saul's son, rose and went to David at Horish. So Saul couldn't find David, but Jonathan, his son, could. Oh, no, right? If this was any other drama, we would be like, oh, no. The son found him. He's in trouble because sons always want to protect what? Their inheritance, their, you know, David's the promised king. And if this was any other drama, we would think, uh-oh. But not this. This is the word of God. And, and it says, and Saul sought him to strengthen his hand. Jonathan sought David and strengthened his hand in God. Jonathan sought to strengthen David's faith. That's really what that phrase, strengthened his hand in God, means. He went to encourage David to strengthen his faith. And how does he encourage, how does he strengthen his faith? With the word of God. Verse 17, and he said to him, do not fear. Do not fear. He's confirming God's commands. He's confirming to him and reaffirming God's commands and promises. Do not fear. You will be king. That's the word of the Lord already spoken to David. And now Jonathan is confirming and reaffirming God's word, and he's strengthening his brother. This is the Christian life, encouraging, counseling the one another's of Scripture, coming beside one another. You see, the Bible is all about presence. God wants nearness. We, we've learned that, right, from the pandemic and all the issues of isolation. God wants nearness. God wants presence. He wants his people beside one another. And as encouraging as that is, nearness and presence, what ultimately gives Christian, what ultimately gives the Christian hope is the nearness of God. And that presence is found in the word. Which means as Christians, as we come beside one another, as we seek to counsel, to serve one another, do so with the word of God. We're encouraged by the word of God. It's called the priesthood of believers. It's a very Protestant thing. It means you don't need to come to the priest. It doesn't mean there's trouble. Better call Jared. <laughs> you have the word of God. Now, you might be tempted to think, well, that's hard. I don't know the word. Where do I go? I tell you, I've told you this before. It's really easy. There's lots of Bible, but one of my favorites is just Romans chapter 8. Don't forget Romans chapter 8. You can start there. You can end there. Romans 8 is all about the righteousness that we have in Christ, justification, no more condemnation. You can bring that message to a struggling brother. It's all about sonship and adoption and the assurance of adoption. It's the assurance of God's elective providential care and drawing his people to himself. And it's the assurance that we have victory and we're more than conquerors in Christ and that his love will never leave. His love will never forsake. Man, you got everything you need in Romans 8. You can always just continue to bring that to your brothers and your sisters. It will never get old. 
And there's other words of the Lord. They're all good. So come beside one another. God is there and he is not silent, neither should we be. The Christian life is encouraged with the word. Lastly, the Christian life is blessed by the word. Verse 19, then the Ziphites went up to Saul at Gibeah saying, is not David hiding among us in the strongholds of Horish on the hills of Hakaliah, which is south of Jeshimon? Y'all all know the direction, you know the general direction. Now come down, O king, according to all your heart's desire. Now I love this text because these Ziphites, they command, they give a word, they come with their own word, they come with a revelation to Saul. They are revelatoriers. And they also, like God's word, they command, come down, and they also promise your heart's desire. And that's more of that prosperity, life, life by sight stuff that plagues Christianity today. Oh, come and you'll get your heart's desire. Christianity, it's all about your heart's desire. And Saul, like so many, was sucked into the allures of the best life now, verse 21. And Saul said, may you be blessed by the Lord, for you have given compassion on me. It's all about me. It's all about my heart's desire. But I need more revelation. Verse 22, go and make more sure. Go see where he's at. Verse 23, take note. Take note of where he's at. Give me sure information, he says. Then I will go. I need sure information because this text is all about revelation. It's all about spies giving information. It's all about the Ziphites and wanting the sure, direct information. Everyone has revelation here. But the only revelation that matters is the revelation that David had. He had the ephod. He had God's word, and that's all that matters. It made the difference, and it's all we need. We need this difference if we're going to make it in the world. We need the word of God. So Saul got good news, and it seems to spell David's disaster, verse 24, and they rose and went to Ziph ahead of Saul. Now David and his men were in the wilderness of Maon in the Arabah to the south of Jeshimon, verse 25, and Saul and his men went to seek him. And David was told, and there's some more spies, and so he went down to the rock, and he lived in the wilderness of Maon. And when Saul heard this, more revelation, he pursued after David in the wilderness. And now the tension's getting thick. And I love the ESV here. It captures quite well the, the original language. It's like, look at the text. It's almost like we have a drone. There's this drone footage of the situation. Saul went on one side of the mountain and David and his men on the other side of the mountain. And David was hurrying to get away from Saul as Saul and his men were closing in on David and his men to capture him. Saul's coming. He's about to get captured. And you can see David going on one side of the mountain, Saul on the other, and he's almost there. And then all of a sudden, wait, stop. More revelation. <laughs> Just as they were closing in on David and his men to capture him, verse 27, a messenger came. Oh, a messenger came to Saul saying, revelation, hurry, a command, and come, for the Philistines have made a raid against the land. And there's the Philistines again. Thankfully, this time the Philistines returned just in the nick of time. David should count his lucky stars, verse 28. Not really, but he did escape. So Saul returned from pursuing after David, saved by revelation. 
and they went against the Philistines. Therefore, that place was called the Rock of Escape. Saul almost got David, but then a messenger came with news, and David escaped. Count his lucky stars? No. He should thank that rock. And that rock saved David just like baptism saves, not the rock. Not his lucky stars, not magic, not karma, not trinkets. No, God worked because God worded. God saved David by revelation. The story's all about revelation. David became savior by revelation and was saved by revelation. God saves by revelation is the Christian life. It is the word life. And the word was with God. And the word was God. Christ is the true David who obeyed God's word perfectly and has given us the most comfortable way of dying. We die to live. And Christ is the rock of escape because Christ is the last word on this rock. He is the true and righteous man who suffered the wrath of God, who bore our sin on the cross that we might escape that wrath, that we might be delivered. He's our escape. Christ is our security. He's our strong tower, our refuge. So we find shelter in Christ. We find security in his grace and we have eternal life because he is the true revelation of God. So in Christ, we will not walk in darkness but we will have the path of life. And that life is the word of God. It's the word life. So let us taste from every tree of this garden. That is from every word of the Lord and see and know that the Lord is good. In the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. At Covenant Reformed Church in Missoula, Montana, we sincerely believe God's Word and faithfully teach it. We invite you to worship with us on Sundays. For more information, please visit MissoulaURC.com. That's MissoulaURC.com.